calling all lovers of mystery and fans of a good story. If you haven't already heard me talk about June's journey, you're in for a treat. It's time to don your detective hat in this free hidden object mobile game that delves into the captivating journey of June Parker, a self-proclaimed detective on a quest to unravel the mystery surrounding her sister's untimely death. In June's journey, you get to play as June, deciphering clues and unveiling secret plots within thousands of beautifully illustrated scenes. And did I mention it's set in the glitzy 1920s? New chapters are added weekly, so you will never run out of new thrills to uncover, and you can also personalize and decorate your very own Orchid Island where the story takes place. How sharp are your detective skills? Find out when you download June's Journey on your Android or iOS device, or play online via Facebook games. Your detective journey awaits. Hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger, and I am thrilled to invite you to Rachel Uncensored, my podcast where I get real with my friends and celebrity guests, where we talk about all sorts of topics. From personal stories to hot-button issues, we cover it all. New episodes drop every Wednesday, so make sure you tune in on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored. Wait, am I really like that gay, guys? This is what I need to know. Am I that, am, am I that yes. gay? <laughs> yeah, I'm yes. sorry. Yes. I think, yes. Uh, is, is it the Jeep or the scooter or the pit bull? It's all of it. I'm diking out, you're diking out. Let's dike out together. See what it's all about. Diking out, diking out, diking out, diking out. Hi, and welcome to Diking Out, a podcast that has found itself in the orbit of celesbians, and there's no place we'd rather be. I'm Carolyn Bergier. I'm Melody Kamali, and today we're diking out with comedian and activist Kristen Becker about culture shock. Buckle up for that, but guess what? We have an announcement, like a real announcement. We have a live recording coming up. We haven't done a live recording of the podcast Melody, since I've never. you've been co-host, so this Mm-mm. is going to be your first one. So excited. At Caveat in Manhattan. So if you live in the New York area or you're going to be here Wednesday, October 13th at 9.30 p.m., tickets are on sale. Now you can check uh, our website or go to Caveat's website. I need to update our website. <laughs> our guest is the iconic Jenna Lyons. Can't stop, won't stop with the celesbians. We're keeping the party going. I'm thrilled. I mean, yes. what, what is happening here? It's going to be an iconic night because Jenna Lyons is an iconic person. If the name doesn't ring a bell, Google it. Look it up. You'll know. You'll know You'll when know. you see her. She was at the helm of J. Crew for years and is just a, a style icon and a, a later in life queer. So... That is very exciting. Also, remember, we love the reviews that we've been getting uh, on Apple Podcasts. So please continue the five stars reviews. And if you have just a minute, write up a little something nice. We appreciate it. What else? Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. I mean, you know, if you follow us. Yeah. Gayest (laughs) thing. Tied mutual gayest thing. We have a mutual gayest thing to report. I mean, if you're not following Diking Out on social media, first of all, why? Second of all, you may have missed that we had 
in our presence at our last watch party at Henrietta Hudson for the L word, two stars from the L word. Carolyn, who were those two stars? Kate Manig and Leisha Haley. What? You might know them better as Shane and Alice. So oh, that that's happened. another announcement. We're still doing our watch parties at Henrietta Hudson oh, yeah, until the end go. of the season. Uh, and we hope you still come because we do have swag and prizes each week. Uh, that is realistically the only time that Leisha Haley and Kate Manig will be uh, at a Henrietta Hudson watch party, at least this season. But... They had fun. How do we know they had fun? Because we sat with them for like 15 or 20 minutes. They told us. We were all having so much fun, and we talk about it in detail. We spill some tea on our Patreon off-topic episode. Sorry to do this to you, but it, it was a lot to it share. Was a we lot. don't have time for it here. So if you go to patreon.com for as little as $5 a month, you get an extra episode every week where we share the deets on what's going on in our lives, our personal lives, and some behind-the-scenes stuff like this. It was truly uh, a dream, and there is you know more to come, we think, with Alicia and mm-hmm. Kate as they may have promised us, which we may have (laughs) on record. We sure do. Oh, my God. Yeah, maybe we'll put some of that footage up on Patreon, too, because your wife definitely filmed, I want to say, the entire evening, but especially (laughs) us interacting with them from afar. I love our personal paparazzi, Cecilia Bergier. Shout out to my amazing, amazing wife. So let's pick a a quick other gayest moment so that we can each shine in our gayness. Melody, what is the other gayest thing you did this past week? Consistently gay week, okay? Just two days after that incredible night with Kate and Leisha at the Elward Watch Party, you and I went aboard ship a yacht full of lesbians, thanks to yes. the Lavender Menaces. They're at the Lavender Menaces on Instagram. Yes. They do a, I believe, monthly um, yacht party. It's still relatively new, right? This was the first uh, lesbian yacht party that was actually like sailing around. I believe the last few yes. have been docked, docked, and it's just been sort of a party in Greenpoint in Brooklyn. But yeah. we set sail for what, like... Almost four hours. Four hours? Yeah. Yeah. It was a beautiful night. The weather was beautiful. This is our first time doing one of these events with the Lavender uh, Menaces. So we wanted to scope it out before talking about it. We let people know that we were going to be there, but we wanted to make sure that it felt uh, inclusive and diverse. And it was. And it was. Yeah. Yeah. It was a very diverse crowd. They had... um a bar they had a drag show yes phoebe Jeebies, i believe was the performer phoebe Jeebies was the drag queen we also um got like a personal firework show that was just incredible for <laughs> just for us i mean i was hosting this was my friend ever's first day past guest past guest of the podcast what was ever's um topic being outed Being outed. Yeah, as ever was outed by their hometown, small town newspaper after they came out. Um, But yeah, ever is one of my dear, dear friends. They flew in. They're staying with me for three weeks. And what an incredible 
first thing to do ever has only been in New York once and it was truly for like less than 48 hours and it was the day after Trump was elected so not the best visit they spent their time protesting this time um, they got to see more of the city and uh, a lot of the city amazing clear night yes incredible views and then out of nowhere a fireworks show just to be surrounded by lesbians from all over the tri-state area, we met people from all over who had come in for that. Um, it was yeah. incredible. It was a lovely evening. So lovely. Yeah. And it wasn't too crowded. You know, some people might be worried still with, with COVID and whatnot. I don't know. You'd have to ask them about their uh, their limitations in terms of uh, capacity. But um, I, I think more people should go than it'd be a, a real party. But the weather was so gorgeous that we thought we'd be dancing on the boat. But it was like the perfect weather evening that a lot of us were just outside hanging yeah. out and admiring the... Uh, the fresh New York <laughs> air. I mean, we were right up on Lady Liberty. Yes. Like we could we could see her laugh lines. So yeah. close. Yeah. I mean, does it get gayer than that? A yacht full of lesbians? Tell me, Carolyn, what is the gayest thing for you then? Possibly equal. I don't know. I mean, yacht full of lesbians is is pretty gay. And and when we say lesbians, it's like inclusive. I mean, yeah, it's I was not there. To, yeah, they weren't, you know, checking <laughs> yeah. your I mean, your I lesbian met, status card. Yeah. Non-binary people. There were yes. um, two gay men there too, right? Yeah, yeah. So yeah. just like a, we'll say, queer yacht party. Yes, queer yes. yacht party. On Tuesday, I hung out with uh, four past guests of the podcast. In one day, granted, three of them were at the same time, but I'll I'll start with I was catching up with past guest and past guest co-host Kendall Payne. Just ran into Kendall last night. I saw, I saw. So Kendall and I haven't uh, seen each other since the pandemic and everything, and uh, we're long overdue for a catch up. So we got together. We're having a, a drink and a bite to eat outside. And so funny, uh, this new listener who started listening because of the the watch party. So they've been to all the Henrietta Hudson watch party. Nice. Hung out with them a little bit at the last one. Shout out to Hallie. And Hallie just happens to be walking by me and Ken. It was a little disorienting because I'm like, wait, I just met this person the other night and she's holding her phone and she's like i'm listening to you right now holy shit sure enough she was just randomly walking by this place in soho (laughs) listening to diking out and and showed me and uh, you know i'm pretty sure kendall thought that i paid to have that moment happen but thanks for making me uh look like a total lesbian hallie i appreciate it and um I went from there to meet up with past guest Kelly Quinn and Kelsey Bailey, and we went to go see Tao, Tao Gwen, another past guest of the podcast. Tao was in town opening for Julian Baker. Wow. Wow. So that's a lot of gay energy right there. Tao has a new band that she's performing with, so she ditched uh, the guys, I shouldn't say ditched, but she's no longer uh, has a backing band that's full of dudes and now has 
two women playing oh, I didn't uh, know that. drums and bass. Yeah. So it, it was so great to see Tao live because I haven't seen her since uh, that Rilo Kylie toured years and years ago. What? Nine? <laughs> yeah. 2010? Eight I don't know. Some, yeah. Yeah. A while ago. And then because uh, Kelly Quinn and, and Tower uh, friends from college, we got to all hang out and, and get some drinks afterwards. So that was a lot of fun, really gay, swapping gay gossip. Uh, the dream. Yeah, really. Nothing I love more than a night of gossiping about lesbians with <laughs> other queers. <laughs> so that felt oh pretty God. gay. What a week. Yeah. And now to top it off, we're going to get into this interview with, what do we say? The one of the dykiest dykes. One we, of the gayest met. people we've ever met. Truly. So, I, I, so much gayness. I'm just going to start vomiting rainbows. Today, we are diking out with comedian and activist Kristen Becker about culture shock. Kristen currently resides in Provincetown, where she's been producing and hosting Fruit Basket Comedy, as well as running her nonprofit Summer of Sass, which you'll hear more about in our conversation. She was also named Buffalo's Queen of Comedy by the Buffalo News. I'll forgive them. I'm just kidding. I've done comedy in Buffalo once. And has toured with various gay comedy shows around the country. Let's dive in. Kristen, it is so great to have you here and to see you again. We've missed you. I, it's been a while. I missed you too. What's it been like? Two weeks? A couple weeks, yeah. <laughs> since we were on the topless tour. Uh, oh right, yeah, 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 yeah. Dunes and everything, not just comedy. Mm-hmm. Though it was like one week where I felt like I saw you four times in one week, so I've really felt the the absence of you in my life <laughs> because I feel like you're the kind of person once you're in someone's life. You make a, a lasting impression. Yeah, you will never get rid of me. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> great. I'm just always going to show up randomly every few days. <laughs> I hope yeah. so. I hope so. <laughs> yes, all of our listeners, we've talked about Kristen before. Kristen runs the Topless Tours in Provincetown, the Dune Tours, and also hosts comedy there. Kristen, why don't you tell everybody a little bit about yourself? Uh, okay, let's see. Pretty gay. Uh, start there. <laughs> Wearing a hat gay. that says queer, probably a shirt that says vagina or lesbian or dyke on it, right? Actually, it says human. Okay. okay. In rainbow But colors. in rainbow colors. Rainbow colors. <laughs> this was from a Loose in the Bible Belt tour. Here's the truth. The truth is that every article of clothing you've probably ever seen me wear is my merch from one point in time in my career or another. Yeah. And there is Love a it. box of t-shirts under my bed that like when I run out of clean laundry, I pull a t-shirt. So, Oh, that's that's going to be me in five years. Yeah. <laughs> that's Allie. I just finally got some with my name on it, and that would be fucking weird. So I don't wear those. <laughs> <laughs> but I wear all the other ones. Vaginas for lovers. That shirt, that is your merch, right? It is, yes. Allie is the proud owner of one of those shirts now. Yes. A woman just approached her the other day and was like, what part of Virginia are you from? Yes. <laughs> Does that yes. All the time. Especially, so we get a lot of fall foliage tours up here in New England, right? And it's yes. a lot of elderly folk from Virginia a lot of times, right? <laughs> and I know this because they come off the bus and they come walking up to me and they're like, oh my God, we're from Vir- Ow. Ow. Right? Yeah. And then I'm like, but we're all from here. And then we laugh and it's a great time. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that is true. We are all from We're all China. from there. <laughs> I mean, there's your occasional C section, but even that started. The well, oil yeah. story the proximity. Started. It's in yeah. the neighborhood. 
<laughs> Love it. We are the world. Okay. Well, I think before we get into everything, I do yes. want to know, what is the gayest thing you did this week as one of the gayest people we know? I'm very interested in knowing. What's the gayest <laughs> thing you did? Uh, the gayest thing I did was, I mean, probably, I'm probably, can I be doing it right now? I am dog sitting my girlfriend's puppy so she can go see Kesha. <laughs> yes! <laughs> wow, yeah. That's the, pretty the gay, layers. right? Yeah. Perfect. Love it. Oh my God, Kesha's on tour? Love Kesha's it. in New Jersey, I guess. She's like, she's in New York right now. Uh, her and Andy are on their way to Jersey, I think, as we speak or something. Uh, Andy Eganthorpe, just another... Gem of a person human. we know. Yeah. <laughs> He's so gay. I do think that he outgays me. Yeah. You know, by a little. It's it's two different types of gay, but yes, he Fair. is like maximum gay man culture. And that's why you compliment each icon. other so well. Yes. For yes. your fruit basket comedy show on P Town. We have a few more left. It's a pretty good time. Yeah, you have some fall dates coming up, maybe? Yes. So, fingers crossed. Basically, you guys are here. You saw 6 p.m. was weird. Um, it was a great time, but weird. We were packed to the gills last week and, like, insane. And, like, kind of realizing that we just had, like, there was the COVID scare and then there was all the other right. things. So, hopefully, yes, being added uh, every other week in the fall. We hopefully should find out by the end of today or tomorrow if that's a go. And then awesome. we'll do it all over again. Hell yeah. Well, I know you didn't ask, but I would come back for that. Anyway. Yeah, no, I think, no, I really think you should. I really think you should because it's it was a crazy COVID summer here. Like shit got weird all the time. And I really, I think you should definitely come back for that. Maybe we'll do Women's Week or something. Oh my yes. God. Yes. That'd be cool. Sorry. Women's Throwing my hat week. in the ring. <laughs> Women's Week for women. <laughs> Wait, am I really like that gay, guys? This is what I need to know. Am I that, am, am I that <laughs> yes. gay? Yeah, I'm yes. sorry. Yes. I think, yes. Uh, it's, is it the Jeep or the scooter or the pit bull? It's all of it. It's, it's, all it's of everything. It. Like, Kristen, you're possibly the gayest woman I've ever met. Wow. Uh, Do you know and- what that- Wow, do you this know is like weird? episode two hundred two. <laughs> do you know? <laughs> yeah. Like we interviewed Rosie O'Donnell, and you're like twice as gay. Yeah, <laughs> many have really? come before you. <laughs> um, I, but like, here's the thing: I don't really feel like I fit in with lesbians that much, right? Like, cause interesting. I, I've always dated bisexuals. Like, that's a thing. And you know, if you don't, I don't know if you met lesbians. Sometimes they don't like those people. Right, like sometimes yeah. lesbians get mad about bisexuals. I generally have it. a very mixed friend group when I when I'm like I like hanging out with women, of course, but like I can't just do that. So like I am stereotypically right. in my being really gay, but like I don't think I gay really well, other than I'm really gay. Does that make sense? <laughs> I think you're just a well-adjusted lesbian, is what oh. it sounds like. You're not like you're not like so gay or problematic, which right. can happen with lesbians. A lot. Uh, you're just like. <laughs> well-adjusted super gay and we love that i also love that we do share a buffalo connection which i think i mentioned a little bit but have to go into it again because kristen mentioned while she was hosting this show for basket comedy in p-town that she was from buffalo i get on stage i'm like oh i'm from buffalo so of course we have to have a conversation about it afterwards i mentioned roxy's the now uh closed 
lesbian bar that used to exist in Buffalo. And Kristen used to MC for the strip teasers, which is the burlesque troupe that I saw religiously whenever I was in town, whenever I was back from college, I would always go see them perform. So I'm pretty sure we've been in the same room before. And yeah, I feel like we would have to be like, I'm, I'm trying to figure out the time frame because now I'm like, well, I'm going to be offended if I wasn't such a good performer that you didn't remember me. Like, <laughs> I, mean, I was like, too busy drooling over Jamie. Okay? That's fair. That's fair. Were the shows on the bar still or were they on the stage at Roxy's when you would go? I seen both. So they started out on the stage when I started seeing them. And then I remember I came back one time and that was the time when Jamie was pregnant and then they were, they were on the right. stage I was, and no longer I was already gone. That was like, I okay. exited when Jamie was pregnant basically yeah. um, because I'm a deadbeat dad. So <laughs> I had to run away. I kicked Carl Palladino out of that bar one time. Yes, Do you know who please. that guy is? You know who I that know. guy is, right? For our listeners, Carl Palladino is this Republican uh, just dick. Like, he sucks. Yeah, he's uh, such a dirtbag. He would come uh, so to, shady. He would come to he would come to Roxy's like late night, right? For you know, I guess cocaine or whatever. But like, right. he just, <laughs> <laughs> like the darts, what? <laughs> yeah, would just show up and like, and for the for the strip teaser show, like people would bring them. Oh, you gotta see the show. You gotta see the show. And so, like, my job right. on the bar was to like keep. I was security, right? I was the butch in the hat and the suit that kept right. And so he like refused to like pick his drink up and move off the bar before the girls would dance on the bar. I'm like, fuck you, you gotta move it. And when he said something, girl, he's like, show me your pussy or something. He said to this girl, and I was like, get the fuck out. Like, I don't give a fuck who you are. Get the fuck out. Yeah. Had to go. Uh, yeah. No, he's gross. He's gross. He's when so he ran gross. for governor, I told that story. And uh, it got picked up, like Western New York media picked it up at a show and then they were filming and then it went and then Matt Al ended up calling Western New York media and like, it's just crazy. This is a crazy story. But that that little Uh, dyke story made it all the way up. I love it. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, I, re- I remember that the strip teasers did start bringing in a different crowd because I was going there underage. I was slipping in before they started checking IDs at the door, but it was the only place that like a little lesbian like me could exist freely. So, uh, and then sometimes there'd be cops that came in to watch the strip teasers, and I would just be in the corner, just like, oh, why are they here? Like, are they here for the show or are they going to arrest me? What's going on? <laughs> Which really says all you need to know about buffalo and the police like it really it really right. is the smallest town they where didn't you can, care that i was there you can, yeah, no yeah they had no no they, they didn't care yeah <laughs> somebody was paying somebody well enough that no one cared right 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 because <laughs> i felt like i was obviously underage like but like that's really queer culture right like that's something that like even all right not to like jump into it but summer of sass like the reason i do 18 to 20 year olds yes. is yeah to, like, let's get into it like, well, no, like that idea, like I was going, I was led into a game. I was led into Central Station in Shreveport, Louisiana by a woman named Jennifer who, you know, would open the side door and we would sneak in. And it was like, because it was the safest place to be was to be around other queer people. So like when I started the program that I run now, it actually like we do 18 to 20 year olds because where we learned everything in a bar with a drink in our hands. Like we learned right. our intimacy, like gay people and gay culture. We learn intimacy and affection usually in a bar with a drink in your hand. And then we wonder why we have a high rate of alcohol and drug abuse (laughs) 
in the queer community. And it's like, oh, all of our formation starts there. Like, we're not allowed to hold hands at the movies in a lot of places or, you know, right. that kind of thing. No, but yeah. like, so so part of like Summer of Sass is like why I try really hard to stick to 18 to 20 year olds is to like give them an experience of like being able to hold hands at the grocery store or the library or whatever before booze is involved. You know, I'm not saying they're not going to go get drinks somewhere. Of course they will. But like, you know, yeah. like the option of not. No, that that's amazing. So our topic today, we're talking about culture shock. And let's start there with Summer of Sass and back up a little bit and tell everybody what it is, because uh, we loved learning all about this program as mm-hmm. you were taking us on our topless tour of the dunes. But tell our listeners more about it, because it, it deserves more attention. And I wish I knew about it beforehand too well thank you um so it's it's quite simple summer of sass is a work relocation program i I guess for lack of a a better term i uh, identify kids normally in the deep south or smaller towns rural areas uh who are queer and who and we help move them to p-town for the summer right so basically we relocate them here we subsidize their travel we subsidize their rent we pay the difference between what it costs for a kid to live here and um what they can actually afford we've been on the it gets better kick for a while as a as a community but like right if you live somewhere where you can't fathom living queerly and freely then you don't know what better looks like and so what we're saying is this is what better looks like at least from a queer perspective now is it pretty white? Is it pretty rich? Yes. There's a lot of other things that happen in P-Town. But, yeah. um, you know, a lot of the kids that we bring in, because they present differently in, you know, Tyler, Texas, or Homer, Louisiana, or like somewhere small, they get stared at. They get they get picked on. They get, they're possibly unemployable because, you know, with the exception of maybe, you know, a Dollar General or something, which there's nothing wrong with that, but it does limit your life dreams when you think you're going to max out, you know, this is the only thing you can do. So, so we bring them here and their freak game doesn't even register because everybody's a fucking freak. (laughs) You know, and so they blend in. (laughs) Yeah, they blend in and then, you know, they relax, truthfully. I was fortunate enough to have the idea and to have enough connections in the deep South that if I made a few phone calls, that people would uh, would offer some, you know, a room in their house here, or I groups in the South would just email out and say, "Hey, are there any kids?" And so we help two or three kids a summer, and we bring them here, and we try to change their lives. So big, can I tell you about today's big win? Yeah, I know that I, I push this. So I push this back about fifteen minutes. But mm-hmm. so one of our kids this year, Ethan, is is from Defiance, Ohio. Who I got to meet. You got to meet Ethan. I felt very fortunate to meet him, yeah. Yeah, so Ethan has uh, Wolf's Parkinson's syndrome in his heart, which is an extra electric pathway or something, right? Um, And he's always wanted to get it fixed because it leads to arrhythmias and palpitations, and it kind of limits his cardio activity. Um, But in, in his household, they weren't particularly into medicine so much, and he just hasn't ever had the opportunity to do it. And so he got mass health while he was here. And yesterday he went and he had a cardiac ablation done. Um, so like great. before his summer is over, he's like literally changing his life in a big way. Like not only just wow. exposing this other stuff, but like he, you know, we provide opportunity and what the kids do with that opportunity is up to them. And he has knocked it out of the park. And so they had to keep him overnight. They thought they were going to let him go yesterday, but because of weather and eh, they decided to keep him. So today I had to go pick him up. 
from Hyannis. And it just felt like a really big win, you know, like these kids really, it really proves that like just a little bit of an opportunity and space for them to be themselves, right? Like yeah. I honestly don't do much. Like the kids do the work. I shake money out of rich people. That's what I do, <laughs> right? And I take that money and I redirect it to kids who need to be in this space for their own mental health, but they can't afford it because this place is really fucking expensive. Yeah. What's it like for them when they first get there? Because I know even for me, just coming to P-Town, I was like, oh, wow, I feel safe here. And and I, you know, have lived in liberal cities before, but it, it's even like just to be around that many queer people. Is it a shock to them? Is it what they expected? It's definitely a shock to them. One consistent thing they all seem to say or mention within the first 24 to 48 hours is, oh, my God, I just saw gay people holding hands. Right. And a lot of them come from places where they've never seen queer people hold hands publicly. Um, and so that is always like something that is said repeatedly. And it stuck out to me as, as a thing. It hits every kid differently. Right. Like, it, but there's always a little spin out time when they land, you know, like just for a minute where like they kind of go a little crazy, usually in whatever way <laughs> they crazy, because it is a lot like it's a lot of freedom. It's a lot of dick doc. No, don't think don't think that they don't go <laughs> like the trust that or or the, the bum beach, as it's being called now, which was boy beach. Oh, and then yes, it was yes, birthday yes. beach. And now they're like bum beach. And I was like, I like bum beach a lot, which is the nude beach where sexy oh. things happen. Um, so no, I mean, and that's, you know, that's part of it, which is also why this year we learned to incorporate, uh, a visit to Outer Cape Health and a little sex education beforehand, because this was, you know, this Beautiful. was a kid who came from a fairly yeah. religious background. And it's like, I can't send this boy out into the wild right. <laughs> with no, with no, like, Hey, here's some sexual health knowledge that you need to have for yourself as for you navigate sure. being a grown up queer, you know? Wow. I've had kids like they stop taking anxiety meds. They stop taking antidepressants. Like, like they're, because they're just under less pressure, under less eyes looking and judging, right? Like it's really quite simple. It's, it's a very simple demonstration of what real freedom and being able to live authentically does for a person. I bet. Is there like a community of them? Do they all keep in touch? Do you keep mm. in touch? So it's, everyone is different, truthfully. Um, and some click and some don't, right? Like it's, it's always, they're all different. I generally am in touch with a lot of them. My favorite story of coming out of last year is, so there was Teddy from year one and Teddy, uh, and Milo, Milo came year two and they actually knew each other in high school. And I think dated for a second even, um, and Milo moved here year two, and then we brought in Alex, who was just happened to be working here in P-Town. Um, he's from Lawrence, Mass. And then Nadine was a P-Town townie who was a younger young adult, who, and there weren't a lot of those around. And so the four of them became this little pod, and then they all just moved to New Orleans together. So they did like two Aww, years here. Yeah, cute. no, it's really cute. It's really cute. They did like two or three years here. And then like, you know, Pijon isn't where a 22 year old, where some, listen, some kids come here, they love it. They love the beach life. They don't need anything more than that. But some kids come here and they're like, this is great. And they get their confidence and they get their swagger and they, and they get their, their, their grown up legs. And then they jump off and explore the world, which was fantastic. I love it. There's this yeah. little pot of them all living in New Orleans together, being gay as fuck. And <laughs> that's where I lived when I was being gay as fuck. So I'm in t I'm here for it. <laughs> yeah. So you're from Buffalo. And mm -hmm. then at what age did you move to Louisiana? I was like nine. Okay. Yeah. What was that like? Because that's a culture that's shock. 
Right. Speaking yeah. of culture shocks, yeah, I no, can't really... imagine a more different place than Buffalo, than Louisiana. <laughs> yeah, Buffalo, and not even cool Louisiana, like Shreveport, Louisiana, right? Like the 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 upper, like Southern Arkansas, Eastern Texas, Louisiana, right? right. Not New Orleans, Louisiana. Yeah. Um, so I do remember, like one of my first memories. I remember seeing a Klan rally in a Rite Aid parking lot when I was like 10 and like I just remember driving by and being like and like my parents like just kind of ignoring it sort of thing which like because I don't think they were prepared for that either truthfully right yeah um it was there wasn't like a cross burning as much as there was a lot of hoods and trucks like it was fucking weird and like just it was just a lot of learning a new culture that was completely foreign to anything that I knew, even though it was within my own country. Right. Like even, so I was, I was a pretty smart kid, but in Buffalo and we moved to Louisiana and I was in fourth grade and I was failing all of my spelling tests or like getting more wrong than I normally would. Right. And I finally had to say to my mom, like, I don't understand the teacher. Like her accent was so thick. Yeah. Like I I didn't know what she was saying. Right. (laughs) And so, so then my mom like wrote a letter and I was like, all right, I guess, but no, that wasn't cool because not only did I talk weird. Right. And I had, my mom had just cut off all my hair because it was going to be hot in Louisiana. So I was this round, (laughs) like little boy looking chunky baby dyke, basically like sauntering (laughs) into this like Catholic school in Louisiana. And after my mom wrote a letter, the teacher, so sweet, uh, so kind, but would look at me after she'd say a word and she'd be like, Chris, did you get that? I'm like, fuck you, right? Like, <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah. no. And then to top it off, this is the best part, actually. So I've always been in a Catholic school. In Buffalo, I went to Holy Angels. And okay. uh, after I went to Holy Angels, I moved to Louisiana and I went to Holy Rosary. But I still had some Holy Angels, like, hoodies around, right? Like sweatshirts. And so sometimes I would wear a Holy Angel sweatshirt, right? And I remember being in Baskin Robbins with my dad after school one day in a Holy Angels sweatshirt. And like this woman looking at her daughter and being like, don't stare. And like, so Holy Angels in Shreveport is for like special needs kids. (laughs) So like I was wearing my Holy Angels sweatshirt (laughs) in Shreveport where the Holy Angels in that area was definitely for kids who had many disabilities. And I was just like... (laughs) There with my dad, not understanding. Yeah, it was, I mean, it was, def- there was an adjustment I'm going to say, I mean, I guess not understanding Southern accents could be a disability down there. Yeah. I mean, it was just, it was just really, I just could never figure out why people were like staring and smiling at me so kindly. And it was like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> You're getting like an extra scoop of ice cream. Oh. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, definitely. It was definitely, uh, and then I, but, you know, flip that around, I would go up to Buffalo and. And I got t- taught to ma'am and sir. Like, that's what you did in Louisiana, especially if you were in a Catholic school. You said, yes, ma'am. You said, yes, sir. You, that's it. That, those are the manners. I come to back to Buffalo, hang out at my friend's house. His mom says something. I'm like, yes, ma'am. And she's like, don't you get smart with me? And I'm like, wait, no. <laughs> don't get fresh. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm like, no, that is, <laughs> I can't, I can't win. <laughs> Allie still does the ma'am and sir, mm-hmm. too. Um, I yeah. still do it. <laughs> you see some people it does offend like in a like age way um <laughs> yeah 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 yeah. don't call me ma'am yeah <laughs> you can shop from anywhere doing pretty much anything you might shop while working eating or even listening to this podcast and however you shop we all know and love the thrill of the hunt 
But do you also know how to get the thrill of the best deals? Because Rakuten shoppers do. With Rakuten, they get the deals they love with the most savings and cash back. And you can get it too. Start getting cash back at your favorite stores like Sephora, Nike, and even Expedia if you're looking to get some travel in. And getting cash back doesn't mean you have to miss out on sales because those can just be stacked right on top. It's easy to use and based on a simple idea. Stores pay Rakuten for sending them shoppers, and Rakuten shares the money with you as cash back through PayPal or check. Download the free Rakuten app and never miss a deal. Or go to Rakuten.com to start getting the most bang for your buck. That's R-A-K-U-T-E-N. As a podcast network, our first priority has always been audio and the stories we're able to share with you. But we also sell merch, and organizing that was made both possible and easy with Shopify. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell and grow at every stage of your business, from the launch your online shop stage all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. They have an all-in-one e-commerce platform and in-person POS system, so wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. With the internet's best converting checkout, 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms, Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers. Shopify has allowed us to share something tangible with the podcast community we've built here, selling our beanies, sweatshirts, and mugs to fans of our shows without taking up too much time from all the other work we do to bring you even more great content. And it's not just us. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. Shopify is also the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Because businesses that grow grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash realm, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash R-E-A-L-M now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash realm. And how long were you there for in that part of Louisiana? Uh, so... Through high school and some college, I, you know, I'm an initiated member of Zeta Alpha Centenary College, what, what, um, you know, did the sorority <laughs> thing like a Southern lady should. And then, oh my God. Oh yeah. 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 And then, it's good for you. So listen, while we sing to you, our songs are great and blue. Our crest is best. My test your seat will always straight to your right. So raise your glasses high and drink the ZTA tonight. You'll find the girls as nice as they can be. So come along and join our dear fraternity. We got the pep, pep, go, go. Make sure I say hallelujah. I'm converted and I'll be a ZTA. Okay. So. Okay. Yeah. We, we didn't, we didn't even know about this little slice of culture shock before sitting down. I I actually think I blocked it out until just now. I don't know what just happened. <laughs> yeah, no. So through like a year of centenary college and where I did the, my mom, this was Southern, this is Southern business, right? Like right. you're, you go to colleges, you get in the right sorority and then you're going to network and you're going to get this degree and then you're going to work in oil and gas and then you're going to have a nice four bedroom ranch, right? <laughs> like this is basic <laughs> Southern upbringing, you're probably going to marry that guy from high school, right? Like, or maybe the other school of town over. Ooh, rebel. You know? Exotic. <laughs> 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 Until a little bit of college, and then 
I went back to Buffalo for in my early 20s for a hot minute. And then my parents were like, no, you really have to go to college. And then I moved to Natchitoches, Louisiana and thought I was going to go to school there and literally didn't go to class. I got a 0.0 for two semesters. (laughs) I ended up... I got a full-time job managing a restaurant in town. I slept in the... My parents made me go back to college. I was like, I don't want to fucking go to college. Like, this is not for me. I don't want the debt. I don't want any of it. I'm not there. That's not not what I want to do. Right. And so I just showed them by never going to school. (laughs) (laughs) Being productive, I got a job. I was a manager of a restaurant. But I just... Yeah, I would just sleep in the dorm for the two semesters until they kicked me out for having a 0.0, and then my parents understood. <laughs> and at, at what point here did you realize that you were this, like, alpha dyke? <laughs> I mean, I think I really blossomed in college. I mean, imagine you're, like, everyone's going to class, and you're, like, the dyke rolling in. Like, you know what I mean? Like, from your night you're like, working you're at like, the bar. You're like Angelina Jolie in that movie in uh, Foxfire. Foxfire? <laughs> yeah. You don't, you don't really go to the school. You just wear leather and then hang out with the girls who go to the school. Yeah, no, that's exactly like... what I did, just in a, in a rounder body. <laughs> that's exactly what I did. Uh, yeah, Just I, trying yeah. to tattoos everyone's breast. <laughs> Remember that? There, yeah, anyway. Yeah. I watched it recently. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> I, that would have been, if I could have done... Poke and is poke and stick that was called what's it called? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. If I could have done those tattoos, that would have been the ultimate. I think that was actually Casey Ferris. That was another girl that went to school. <laughs> She's a lawyer now, though. She actually went ended up going to class eventually. Yeah, stick and poke to our younger listeners. Um, pick that up and then offer services. And I think that's a good way to <laughs> explore your sexuality <laughs> at that age. <laughs> Try it out. See who wants you. See who and where they want you to tattoo them. Exactly. <laughs> so on and off, and then. Back to Buffalo in like early 2000s and comedy school in Toronto in 2001 and then farting around telling jokes since then. Comedy school? Yeah, the Humber School of Comedy. What was Toronto, that like? That sounds Ontario. so Canadian. Humber. So I got to tell you something. It was, it is, Humber College is a real, is a real school. So yes, I, yes. I like honestly was like never a performer in high school like I was a jock like I played sports like a good fucking dyke and I didn't do theater I was for the boys you know like I just I didn't I didn't do any of that and my girlfriend at the time found this program and it was an accredited basically they took the idea of a two-year of a theater degree and they made it all comedic arts so stand-up sketch acting uh for television improv physical comedy you know the whole all of it so you're falling and you're doing you're taking a voice class twice a week and you're learning what to do how to use your voice and how to play with stuff and you're taking a movement class and you're learning how to fall and you're learning how to stretch and you're learning how it's a full body performance even if you're just doing stand-up and yeah those of us who were primarily stand-up were like oh this is stupid but like as we grew up we learned like, wow, what a full, all-encompassing to be submerged with people who are like into comedy. And it was basically kindergarten for 20-year-olds. Yeah. I was like 24 at the time. I was a little bit older than everybody else. Yeah. So I did that and started comedy in Toronto. And um, I love it. I loved, I love Toronto. It's one of my favorite cities. How was the scene at that point in terms of women and gay people in comedy? So there was Spirits, and Spirits was run by Joanna Downey. She hosted 
Spirits was uh, like in the Toronto gay district and Spirits was the best open mic and it was every Wednesday and she hosted it for like, she's a, le- she was a legend. She passed away, you know, and this was Joanna. And so at that point there was, there was a woman running the best mic in town, which is honestly, I learned everything that I knew to running, like to run Nietzsche's in Buffalo and build a scene from watching Joanna do that in Toronto. Um, and it was, it was a woman run mic in a gay neighborhood. And so okay. there was this fairly mm. safe space for Deborah DiGiovanni and Nikki Payne and Richard Ryder and, you know, just a ton of people, Ryan Belleville, they like came out of, um, came out of there, you know, why can't Dave Mirage, like just like a bunch of people. Uh, it was one of the best mics. So I, you know, that part was pretty good. Now, if you go want to go to the club angle, you know, if, if I was talking about my girlfriend, even if I wasn't talking about fisting her, it was, <laughs> it was too dirty, right? So like, and this is right. what I've always said, like I could, part of the reason why I ended up starting Dykes of Hazard was just me being, as you have uh, stated, the gayest fucking person you know. Yeah. <laughs> before I even really get to talking, right? Like just when I walk up on stage, <laughs> right? Like, I mean, I did start comedy thinking, oh, my God, I'm never going to tell people I'm gay. Like, it's none of their business. <laughs> like, I'm not. And then I realized that they spent the first minute of my set trying to figure out if I fucking knew I was gay. <laughs> right? <laughs> right, right. You know? Um, so, yeah. So, like, it just it didn't it didn't look like I had a career path, no matter how funny I was, to authentically be as offensively gay as I was in a club setting where, you know, that you start in an MC and you work your way up. And right. if you're dirty, you can't be an MC because MCs have to be fairly palpable or, you know what I mean? So it just became a conflict. But outside of the club in the, in the indie circuit, it was always pretty okay. I mean, I definitely look back now and I'm like, oh, fuck, wait, there was a ton of misogyny. But at the time, it seemed fine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's all that matters. Yeah. At the time, I was getting stage time and I was funny, so it seemed fine. <laughs> And it's not like that much has changed in the club scene. I mean, you can talk about being gay now, but only a few people who've had to prove themselves 90 other ways first before they can actually get like a a headlighting spot or something. Like- yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of one of my favorite parts about P-Town is like the rich lesbian comedy history, right? Where like Suzanne Westenhofer plays here during the summer and like a lot of mainstream people don't know who Suzanne Westenhofer is. And like Suzanne Westenhofer was fucking out on stage before Ellen even thought about thinking about telling people she was a lesbian, right? right. Like you go back and you're like, oh shit, wait, hold on. You know, Leah Delaria was on Arsenio Hall in like 94, like no disrespect to Ellen, but like there were people who did it without working their way up pretending to be straight there were people who did it just being fucking gay the whole time right which i feel like should get a little bit more credit which i think leah's getting now but i'd love to see was judy gold out back then i don't know okay unsure how long is yeah i don't remember you know i read her book and i think she talks about it then but i think she was pretty much out for for a while i don't i feel like judy's like 10 years younger than like I don't know. How old is Judy, honestly? I don't know. I feel like there was, like, Suzanne and Leah and then, like... I want to say, I mean, Judy's in her 50s. Huh. Okay, so a little bit older than I am. I think Leah might be 60 now. I don't know. We'll have to, we'll have to do... Lesbians who do math. <laughs> I know. We need a chart. <laughs> we need a chart of lesbians and comedians and how old 58. they are. 58. I was going to say that Judy, I thought, was around the same age as Rosie, and Rosie's 59, so... Okay. Yeah. All right, hold on. 
have to do everything in relation to Rosie O'Donnell. That's how my whole life operates. Mm-hmm. Can I tell you that, like, and so Leah's 63. So I, can I tell you that, wow, Leah's 63. I was known for in the dorm where I went to school, where I, where I went to sleep and didn't go to class. Um, everyone would, I would get up and watch the Rosie show before I would go to work. I'd be like, I'm going to do that one day. And they were all like, Becca, yes. Like that was, I would get up and watch Rosie and Hell get yeah. things to slingshot at people and, and I, they were like, what are you doing? Yeah. I'm like, this is what I'm studying. I'm studying this. Like, this is yeah. what I want to do. I <laughs> <laughs> uh, love it. Love it. And then in Buffalo, you were trying to build up the scene there, which, mm-hmm. how was that when you got there? It didn't exist much or it was just all hacky dudes? It wasn't even a lot of anything. It was Comics Cafe was in, you know, kind of in the burbs in kind of like a strip molly vibe. I it, actually, yeah, okay. Let's unpack this trauma. I did. <laughs> let's go. <laughs> now that you mentioned it, there was a like a Buffalo's funniest competition that Comics Cafe ran, ran, and in one of the first rounds, I did really well. And I, I was working at a theater at the time, and I brought all my like theater friends. And the guy before me was like super homophobic, and like just was just not didn't read the room, and like nobody laughed, right? And like I killed because I I was good and not homophobic. And when I made it to the finals at the, I basically got pulled into the office to be reprimanded that like, just so I know, you know, they won't handle any heckling. I was like, all right, well then they shouldn't be homophobic. Like, I don't know. Cause like my friends were like, yeah. not having it. They were like theater pros in town and they were like, nah, this guy, you know, this guy's shit. But I ended yeah. up getting like reprimanded by the owner before the competition started about like my audience or whatever. And I was like, it was Your crazy. audience? Yeah, my audience. Because <laughs> oh, wow, I was okay. the gay one, right? Getting everyone all riled up. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, uh, but yeah, fast forward to like right around 2004-ish, I moved back to Buffalo and I ended up there after Katrina. It was right before Katrina. I moved before Hurricane Katrina, uh, 16, wow, 16 years ago. So like two months before that and needed an open mic and there wasn't one. And I had gone to school in Toronto. So I had comic, basically I was like, all right, well, I have comics in Toronto who want longer sets, right? Newer comics who want longer sets. I'll offer 10 to 15 minute sets. Kind of similar to what I'm doing here. I was just and hoping to pull from Boston. Yeah, like that. I'm going to pull long. I'm going to offer longer sets in hopes that people make the trip until yeah. I, and put an open mic portion until I have enough local comics to sustain a weekly show. Right. And so that's what I did every week. I gave some gas money and bought some pizza for four Toronto comics to walk, to come down. And then we had about five or six Buffalo guys. And then it just slowly built. And then I started teaching classes and I know fucking comedy classes are whatever, but the truth is that it was really good for me and I don't charge too much and I don't fucking write racist jokes for you. And I help you figure out your (laughs) shit for a few weeks. Right. And some people just work better having a practice stage. So I gave I was so sick of people asking me about comedy that I was like, if I'm going to do this you guys have to pay me like literally like if if we're gonna do this then here's the thing we'll make it cheap it's a hundred bucks come meet us whatever right um and then slowly started to build a little scene and we started a dykes of hazard uh variety hour so we start i was running a sketch show and a stand-up show every week and just like getting a little bit of a buzz going and then um convinced the guys at helium that it was club ready and it was time for club everyone tells me that i had to create a mainstream in buffalo so i could be the underground comic in buffalo basically (laughs) 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 so yeah we brought helium and i gm'd that for a year that i hated and they hated me doing it so it was amicable that way and uh (laughs) and then then i left and it's still there and comedy there's probably over a hundred comics in town now that like, you know, do stuff. A lot of them moved to New York, Matt Wayne, Sean Murphy, Mark Walton, 
like there's been Dan Fisher. There's been some guys, Kyle Turner, who have all gone to Joe Para, who Joe Para, yeah, oh, right. Like he used night. to do yeah. Nietzsche's a bit. I love that kid. Um, I've never seen him break character once, so I don't know anything about that guy. I'm like, <laughs> right, <laughs> right. I'm Same. like, I don't. This could be you. I don't know, man. <laughs> I think the one time that he like sort of maybe was when I was like, hey, I'm from Buffalo, and he's like, oh. Mm-hmm. And then was just like it was a little bit more movement than I was used to from him. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, so that was that was Buffalo. So continuing on culture shock. Oh yes, yes, yes. You started a a tour of shows called Loosen the Bible Belt. Yes. What made you want to do this? Famously tight. <laughs> <laughs> this is really like. Uh, okay, actually, we'll progress the story. So Helium, I'm doing it. I'm running it. It's great. I never wanted to open a comedy club. My fiance got really sick. She didn't have any health insurance. I convinced these guys to invest it so I would have a real job. I was doing the right thing. I was doing the right thing. Let me stay in comedy. Stop independent producing. Do this thing. And uh, I hate it. I quit it. My fiance leaves me for this dude after I like had stopped after you got our health care after I left the road stopped performing got a real job in comedy created convinced someone to build a million dollar club in Buffalo do you know how hard it was <laughs> to convince someone to invest a million dollars in Buffalo it took me a year okay and then like before it opened she like I leaves. feel like you're the only person who's figured that out how to get anybody <laughs> to invest money in Buffalo right yes. <clears throat> it took a lot of persistence um and so she left me and then I had this job that I hated, not for any other reason other than I was a performer. I didn't want to manage a club. I, didn't, I don't like charging that much for drinks. I want my feature comics to be put up. Like it just didn't vibe with me at all. And so I went into a pretty depressive hole and I wrote a, a blog about why I thought Louisiana should be at the forefront of queer equality in the South. And it got picked up amongst like Louisiana Democratic Party and like just some progressive Southerners. And they asked me to come testify before the Louisiana State Senate on behalf of uh, a non-discrimination act, the Louisiana Non-Discrimination Act. And so I did. I went down. I did a, a few shows called Becker on the Bayou. We raised money for. Um, <laughs> You're so good at names. <laughs> I mean, I love it. <laughs> we uh, I thank you. Uh, we, we did Becker on the Bayou and we raised money for Forum for Equality. And while I was down there, when I was debating my humanity with other people who were fighting against my rights, they were speaking to me in a language that I didn't speak, and that was Bible. And so I couldn't win arguments in a language that I didn't speak, right? Like, I can talk to my humanity, but I can't fuck with your religion because I don't really know it that well. Right, because anybody who went to Catholic school knows that you actually don't do much with the Bible in Catholic school. No, no, you get a lot of the morality. I grew up Catholic, and yeah, like, they're not really, like, Bible-heavy. <laughs> right, yeah, that's an evangelical Christian thing, right, that, yeah. like, I don't do, and or a Baptist thing, even, and, like, a mm. lot of that happens in the South, and so I was like, oh, wow, I really need... Here's a defining moment. I'm testifying for the Louisiana State Senate, and the guy, I, they're talking about, like, banks or whatever and, like, getting a loan and discrimination. And they say, what – now, 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 what is gender presentation? Like, wh- what is that? And I had already testified, so I just, like – I had a tie on, so I just, like, raised my hand and, like, kind of walked down. I was like, oh, it's me. It's me wearing this tie. And he was <laughs> like, what? And I was like – he was like, so what you're saying is you think if you go into a bank – uh, they're not going to give you a loan because you're wearing that tie. And I was like, yes. And he's like, 
Well, then you sue them. And I was like, we can't. That's the whole reason we're here. That's the point of it, right? (laughs) And his head basically exploded and smoke came out of his ears. And he just (laughs) leaned back and he was like, oh, never mind. Like he just couldn't... Couldn't process it. So I. Ba- it was basically after that experience that I realized that if I was going to make a real difference in the Deep South, that I was going to need somebody who could talk Bible. And um, I knew that Jay Baker had been a progressive pastor for a while. I knew his mom, Tammy Faye Baker, had a great relationship with the queer community. And I knew he wasn't that busy because he answered my tweet, right? So <laughs> uh-huh. now, now for people who might be uh, international or maybe younger, explain Tammy Faye Baker. For, uh, for Jim and Tammy Faye Baker up. were the original founders of PTL Ministry. They were TV evangelicals who became fairly world-renowned. There's a Actually, they're about to release a new movie, The Eyes of Tammy Faye. Yes. Um, that is yeah, coming out are? with Jessica Yeah, with Jessica yeah. Chastain playing Tammy oh Faye and Andrew Garfield playing Jim Baker. Um <gasps> Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I didn't know. I just got goosebumps. I love him. Okay, cool. So I just found a guy who was straight and who was preaching a loving Christ. And I was like, hey, why don't you and I tour through the Deep South and we'll try to get, you know, religious people and gay people. Sometimes we'll do two things. Number one, we'll give uh, my friends who did grow up with religion something that feels safe to them. And a lot of this was guilt that gay marriage had passed in New York State. Like, make no Mm. mistake. There was also something in me that, like, I had rights that people I grew up with didn't have. Right. I could, you know, before it was a, a federal thing. And so that's what we did. I called Jay. I, I, t- I actually, I tweeted him and I was like, I like the cut of your, your jib. And, and we went back and forth a bit and we just both flew to Dallas and got into a van together as strangers and started going through the deep South. And we brought an opening comic and then like a musical act. So basically the idea was we don't play any churches. We don't play any gay bars if we can help it. There were definitely places in the South that wouldn't have us except if we were a gay bar, if we were in a gay Mm. space. So that was a whole interesting thing. There were definitely gay spaces who thought it was a trick. They were like, is this a bait and switch? Like, you're not going to come in here and, you know, be demeaning to queer people. And like, no, we're a a show that has a Christian aspect and has a queer aspect. And when he he would literally preach Jesus Christ – and yeah. I would tell dirty lesbian fisting jokes. And like <laughs> at some point, everyone was uncomfortable at some point in the show, which is a really, you know, bonding effect on a room. Um, yeah. And and that's what we did. We did that for like four or five years. And then pandemic, we, we rolled it into a podcast and then pandemic. And now, yeah, we haven't, I, I ran out of producing juice, truthfully. <laughs> yeah. You know, I was yeah. putting the whole thing together and like it just became, became a lot to, to manage. You for know? sure. Yeah. And it, if I remember correctly, so when when Jay Baker came out, like that was kind of a big Oh, he's not. He's straight. Don't they have a gay son? No. Or maybe did I just think he was gay? You thought he was gay cuz he hits okay. kind of like he does feel a little gay. He's he's he feels a little gay, but here's the thing. He came out as gay affirming, right? So they did a documentary about him one punk under God. That's where I like learned of him. And he like in his church was like it's wrong to be against gay people. Okay. Is there another evangelical who had a gay son that came out that I'm getting confused with? Maybe everyone thinks that he's gay. And one of the best things he said to me, he was like, I know, like, everyone thinks I'm gay and that's cool. Like, I don't care. Like, you know, he's like, but like, Tammy Faye Baker's my mom. 
He's like, and I used to go out with her all the time. He's like, you don't think that, like, you know how many guys have offered to suck my dick? <laughs> like, like, in all seriousness, like, if I wanted to be gay, I would totally have already been. I just tried that. <laughs> like, you know, he's like, he really likes women. <laughs> you know, I honestly think that it is him. And I just thought he was gay. But it was do. just because he was, like, pro, yeah. pro-gay that that, okay. Yeah, a lot of people do. And, yeah, he's just really a, a very good ally. I was going to say, I, I think he gets the award for for he top actually, ally. Yeah, he actually did. I think uh, I think Glenn gave him one. Yeah. <laughs> Good. Yeah. Good. Of all the people they're dishing out those awards to, I'm I'm skeptical about half of them. I'm like, what what have they really done? But, yeah. but yeah. this is. And this was like, you know, he this was like 2012 when he did that. So like it was it was. It was, it was a ballsy move. He lost a lot of his funding for his church at the time and has like kind of slowly been rebuilding. So yeah, so he and I uh, didn't went around and didn't make a bunch of money, but we had a great time. We heard some great stories. We we had a lot of people, a younger like a younger generation of Christians who had never really heard of a loving Jesus. I literally had young people say this who were like, wow, I've only been taught the fire and brimstone, you're going to hell if you're gay, Jesus. And we're like, yeah, here's a whole nother hippie Jesus. Try him out if you want, if that's your, if that, if that's your thing, you know. Hippie socialist Jesus, yeah. Exactly. Oh, gee, Jesus. I would always joke with him, like, the audience would be tense at different points. I'd be like, listen, when we talk about the gay stuff, the Christians are going to get uncomfortable. When we talk about the Jesus stuff, the lesbians might get a little uncomfortable. Like, that's just what it is. But, like, at least you guys know lesbians exist, right? Like, <laughs> 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 we can prove that. And then we all laugh. Were there any people who you felt like, like people who came up after the show whose minds were changed one way or the other? Like any lesbians who are like, wow, I always felt excluded from religion or any religious people that were like, I'd never met a lesbian and you ain't half bad. Like, yeah. Yeah, no, there yeah. were, there were, um, and you know, there's a lot of good reason for the queer community, LGBTQ community to feel, uh, apprehension around religion because it has been used as a weapon against us in for so long right um and so there were definitely people who you know would talk afterwards about how they had had felt something they hadn't felt in a while in a way of acceptance or people this one woman was like we weren't that scary (laughs) and i was like thanks (laughs) and i even would save my really really gay stuff for after he preached, because nothing says following scripture like fisting, right? So, like, I would literally, <laughs> like, wait, because, you know, Jay was obviously more famous than I am. And so I knew that he would have a draw there, and I didn't want to assault their senses, right? Like, baby steps. So I would say after he would preach, like, if anybody wants to go, now is your chance, because these last two, they're real doozies, right? Like, this is your <laughs> opportunity to leave. And no one ever left. They always stay because at that point in the show, they've kind of get it. We've talked about it, like how we're just trying to prove that people can have different ideas and, and share space in a room together without the, the, the sky falling, you know? It's funny. I did a mic the other night um, in Jersey. I just felt I had like a not so great set of Mohegan Sun. It was like a weird crowd. I went up first after the the host, whatever, and... I wasn't feeling great. So I'm like, I just need to go like somewhere and, and feel a little bit better. And mm-hmm. the place I chose was just like this New Jersey Republican town, um, this like pizza place. And the good thing was for, for a mic, they were giving eight minutes. So I'm like, well, at least I have yeah. eight minutes. And then there was an audience, the pizza place, but it was all like Republican boomers. Right. 
And I'm like, oh, here we go again. But uh, it was actually a great experience. And there's something about winning over a crowd that you think probably normally wouldn't like you. <laughs> That's why I'm so glad I started in the Midwest, honestly. Like, I... um. <laughs> New York comics would come into Chicago and like do sets. It's a more middle ground there, even Chicago. Um, and they would bomb like, and just like really hot comics coming in from New York or LA. Um, but I don't know having to do comedy in the Midwest or like doing weekends in Indiana or like Rockford, Illinois and like getting out into the Midwest. I feel like I was always, (laughs) put in that position and terrified um but it is such a good feeling when you have to work a little bit harder to connect with the audience like when you when you recognize that like the connection they have to see your humanity first or else you're just like the weird queer like it changes something i did a room in tonawanda new york outside of it was like mr denny's biker bar like yeah. it was, and they were My like, mom lives right by there. Yeah. And so they, somebody started a mic there years ago, years ago. I just moved back. I was like maybe seven years in or so. And same thing, right? Like they're like, oh, Becker, we don't know about this. I was like, guys, it's fucking fine. Like I've been doing this for a while. Right. Like, and, 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 you, and half of me is like half redneck biker. So it's fine. Don't worry. Like <laughs> I'm, I'm going to talk about titties. It's going to be great. Watch this. Right. Like, but you, you realize that like. You, you really have to win them over in a, in a really like connected way. Like I'm a fucking person, you're a person. And once you see that I'm a person, you're going to laugh at this shit. Fucker. Right. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. That just reminds me years ago, I performed at a show and Sarah Palin was there. <gasps> oh yeah. <laughs> and I, I was so excited about this and uh, she she liked my set. We talked afterwards, but she was relating to my jokes about my mom and she was there with her sister and one of her daughters and not the one who keeps getting pregnant, the other one. Because doesn't uh, her nephew do stand-up? Her nephew does stand-up. That's why, that's yeah. Why, yeah. Her nephew is this kid from Alaska who moved to New York and he did stand-up. So he happened to be on the same lineup of the bar show that I was on. And, I wa- and I'm like, there's... It'll be crazy if she's here tonight, but I knew there was a chance and I walk in and she's right there. But she was like, my sister and I were laughing about um, how our mom is exactly the same and just like relating that. Um, Meanwhile, though, my friend Brooke Arnold goes up, uh, who's like from Texas, had a very like religious culty upbringing and broke free of it. So she had... Uh, you know, a lot of like abortion material and stuff. And I'm just watching Sarah Palin's face the whole time. And she is not happy, like not, (laughs) not connecting there. And then afterwards I was like, oh, I actually feel like a little bit slimy that Sarah Palin, you know, was like, good job, Carolyn. And then Brooke, who has like such like smart, great comedy about abortion stuff where I'm like, my mom's depressing. Like, (laughs) (laughs) but it takes, I mean, it, both of you, it takes, it takes everybody, it takes a whole village to fucking upset Sarah Palin. Right. Like, (laughs) right. Right. (laughs) You know, it's, it's one of those things where it's like, man, I can see, this is where I'm like, I don't think I'm a very good lesbian because I am like always trying to find, the middle ground like and i don't know you know like, i am too though yeah, yeah. because my, my brooke afterwards was like i can't believe you got your picture with her i was like look i disagree with sarah palin's policies and everything but like on a human level i also think that what happened to her was like 
super shitty, like the sexism and all of that stuff. Like mm-hmm. I could recognize, like even though some of the stuff she support, all the stuff that she support, everything. It's it's horrible. Uh, but like I can also see her as a human. I also know that there are nuances, and I and I think like also living in the South, I spent uh, six or seven years in Georgia. Like that will teach you that you know getting yourself out of your comfort zone and being around people and realizing like yeah they may have horrible politics but at the end of the day there is a human connection right yeah and and they're allowed to have their if i want to have my crazy like to them crazy liberal agenda then like i mean you know what i mean like I, i don't know i just i have so many friends that even like when i go south still and i see the news like I, I had a really progressive friend who had like a gun on her nightstand. And I was like, what is that about? And she's like, uh, you know, and I was like, oh, right. Your media is a lot of fear. Like your the, the news that you're being, you know, the things Fox is on every hotel lobby, not CNN. Right. Yeah. Like Fox is oh, on yeah. at the at the gym. Like and, and you and you realize that like people are existing in a culture where it's being created before our very eyes. Right. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. It, it's crazy, too, because I've worked jobs with people who are, you know, known Republicans and um, some people like, you know, you see on Twitter, especially people trying to get people fired for having conservative views. I'm like, well, even Republicans need job like everybody. You, you need a job to have health care in this country. And you, you don't know. want them unemployed and on QAnon message boards and just exactly. right. and even <laughs> I mean, I'm sorry. <laughs> Keep those hands busy. Yes. <laughs> right, right. Like, those dangerous hands. <laughs> those prone to violence hands. <laughs> I'll be the judgmental. I'll be the, yeah. Um, if, you, if you try to, like, marginalize and, and harm a, a group, um, you know, regardless of what you think of their opinions, they're it's just going to push them further away. You're just going to get further, I think, from what your your goals are of having them maybe come around and, and see you like as a human. But then if, you know, if you're the person who gets them fired because you found something that they posted and, you know, 2006. Uh, right. And and then you email it to, to their boss. Oh, you think they're going to come around on gay people? <laughs> they're yeah. going to hunt you like <laughs> you are not changing their mind in any way. Yeah. Yeah. You're solidifying the bullshit. But then you go and then you go like, all right, well, like, but it's not, you know, some people are like, well, I'm not doing that labor. And it's like, okay, we're not asking you to do that emotional labor. I'll do it. I can, I can do it right now. I'll do it right now. Yeah. Not, not everybody wants to do it. Not everybody has to do it. But if, if you're up to doing it, great. And there are people who are up to, to doing that labor. And uh, like, honestly, Kristen, you're one of my favorite people that, um, that I've met this summer because of all the things you do. It's like really inspiring. You do really important work and, mm-hmm. uh, it's like such an honor to have someone like you in the community. Truly. Oh, wow. Wow. Thanks. Y'all. It's, <laughs> it's really mostly just dick jokes and money out of <laughs> fisting. It all comes back to fisting. It all comes back to fisting jokes. And fake dick jokes. Yes. That's really, that's really, that'll get you through life. Honestly, <laughs> fist your way through life. Ladies. <laughs> <laughs> that's more merch <laughs> that's another t-shirt <laughs> i feel like you know it, it just like 
real quick, but that like, that's kind of what summer of sass is to me. Like, I feel like at my core, I believe people are good when they're allowed to be themselves, when they're allowed to be their authentic selves. And even if that means that their authentic self has a different belief than I do or whatever, I think at the end of the day, when you have human connection and you humanize people and you connect with them and they get to be themselves fully without fear of someone judging them, whatever that is, that like, that's really where the magic happens. And that's where you start to heal divisiveness. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Does Summer of Sass have a website we can direct our listeners yeah, yeah, to? Yeah. Yes. How can people get involved? Uh, summerofsass.org or .com. They all point to the same space because I'm no dummy. Hello. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, summerofsass.org. And we're hoping there's going to be a big fundraiser coming up on the horizon. We're trying really hard to shake some rich gays and get a million dollars and buy a house because then it becomes a year-round mm-hmm. thing and not just a summer thing. And Come on, Rachel Maddow, open up your house. I know, right? Rachel's got a house here. I really feel like it, there is like, it should be something that we can make happen fairly soon, like that there's so much money around here and that the next generation of queers deserve the luxury that the people who live here had. And that is to be able yeah. to come here and be in this space that really, they really desperately need, like for their mm-hmm. own healing and their own growth and like to undo what society, our general you know, rural, judgmental, religious society has done to these kids is like, just give them some space. And so, yeah, uh, all those dinks out there, double income, no kids, let's go <laughs> cough it up. <laughs> dinks. <laughs> double income, love no kids, that. you know, never yeah. heard that. Yeah, I love dinks. it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I heard it for the first time a couple years ago and yeah, yeah it's two so CEOs, good. right? It's two rich gay boy CB- CEOs or something, right? No yeah. kids. Right. Right. <laughs> And then how can people follow you and your comedy and stay on top of what's next from Kristen Becker? Because she hits the road. Sorry. She does. She does. She does hit the road. (laughs) KristenBecker.com. KristenBecker.com does all the things. Actually, I'm glad you said that because I got a couple college gigs coming up in September and I got to put some stuff down. And yeah, yeah. KristenBecker.com. Lots of fun things in the fall. Nice. And you guys come back. Y'all come back. Yeah, please. I'm dying to get back. And do some fruit basket. It was a great 24 hours I spent there and you made it so much fun. Yay! (laughs) Guys, book a topless tour even if you're in P-Town. You're so knowledgeable. I mean, I learned so much. Yay! (laughs) That does make me look like pretty gay, right? Like the field trip lesbian. Okay, fair. I get it, guys. I see what you're seeing now. (laughs) I see what you're seeing. Okay, all right, fair. The Jeep and the comedy. All right, yeah, okay. And here's my non-for-profit. Yeah. (laughs) From all angles. Yay! And my rescue pit bull. Okay, all right, I see see what's happening <laughs> <laughs> and my hot young girlfriend all right okay all right I okay. see. <laughs> and hanging out at the club yeah exactly <laughs> uh, may i present this to you Kristen? oh, oh virtually. yes oh wow this is, virtually if we were recording in person like before times we would present this to you this is our gay champion of the week trophy yay i feel yes. like we should ship it to you for a year thank yes. you i love it i love it <laughs> love it Thanks so much, Kristen. It's been great diking out with you. Thanks, Kristen. Thank you. Well, who boy. If you didn't think that this episode was exciting enough already, we have some more just groundbreaking news. Our first listener question submitted by, by a man. Cis man. Yeah. By a cis man. Yeah. Okay, let's get into it. I'm the husband of a bi woman who has recently started to explore her interest with women. 
she fell head over heels for this girl, and then the girl's husband got jealous, so she had to break it off. Meanwhile, I was completely okay with this whole relationship. I am completely devoted to my wife and love her unconditionally, so I knew there was nothing to worry about with her leaving me for this girl, and if that makes her happy, I was completely okay with it. A lot of completelys. Yeah. It's a completely supportive king. Okay. How do I help her get over this heartbreak? I know it's more intensified because it was her first queer relationship. Also, am I really the oddity when it comes to guys not being bothered by their wife having a relationship with another woman? Because that's what everyone tells me. (laughs) This is a message we got on Twitter. And I, I hope that the information... Uh, or the advice, it's still timely. Well, I don't hope she's still heartbroken, but we're going to answer it anyway in case yeah. anybody's going through this scenario or maybe some of you, uh, maybe there are husbands of bi women who listen or maybe there are bi women who may need to share this with their husbands. Okay, but yeah. I mean, in terms of helping her get over the, the heartbreak, the same stuff you would do for for a friend, you know, um, let them know that it's going to be OK. It's probably for the best. There'll be other opportunities because it seems like you're completely cool with her exploring this side of herself. And, you know, tell tell her to give a listen to Diking Out if she's not already. She'll learn that that the first relationships are always a tough one and mm-hmm. you always think they're everything and they always carry yeah. All the feelings and they feel the most important and the reality is that they never are. Yeah. And that in hindsight, you're like, oh, wow, I can't believe I was this broken up over that. So I think, you know, if she finds community, like maybe she can explore spending more time in some uh queer spaces if you're supportive of that which it sounds like you might be so that she just knows that that wasn't the only time in her life because I I imagine that if she's bisexual and this is her first time exploring interest with women that maybe it was the first time that she really felt like in touch with her her queerness and felt like oh my gosh this thing I've been wanting to express or this thing I've been feeling I can finally act on it and then to have it break up it probably felt like it was ripped away from her and she's probably a little scared but it sounds like you're being super supportive even the fact that you reached out to a podcast called Diking Out with this question you're you're doing good things hubby yeah completely yes it probably does feel like she not only broke up with this woman but she broke up with her queerness you know yeah and like you said, um, first queer relationships are the source of 85% of our listener questions. And <laughs> for a reason, it's yeah, it's a big deal. It feels like so heavy because it's not just a break any regular. It's it's like you're it feels like you're breaking up with an, a part of you. Uh, like it's yeah. like an identity thing. So yeah. there's so much wrapped into it. And I think finding, like you said, community, even listening to these, skip ahead, have her skip ahead to any given diking out listener question at the end. <laughs> yeah. No, like she'll feel probably less alone, but definitely talking to other specifically by women who have either gone through this or are currently going through this would help. And in terms of your other question about are you the oddity when it comes to guys not being bothered, 
I don't know how odd it is. I would say it it may feel odd in general to feel that secure in your relationship, regardless of your sexuality or your gender. Uh, a right. lot of people are, you know, used to. Uh, I, th- I think we're fed this this narrative that. Uh, of monogamy and, and everything. And that's fine. The monogamy, it's it's the right thing for a lot of people. But if you're okay with it and, you know, you feel so secure in the way that you feel about her and the way that she feels about you and you seem to care mostly about uh, her happiness and her living her best life, that's an awesome place to be, man. Like, <laughs> con- Congrats for you. And don't let other people make you feel weird about that as long as you and your wife are communicating then you are okay if you're not communicating and you're feeling fine you know it like it doesn't sound like it's a a situation where you have your head in the sand and there are red flags everywhere it sounds like you you're in a relationship where you two trust each other to to be uh open and honest about this stuff and and that's great yeah it seems like the communication is flowing and it's not that you're the oddity. It's just that that is rare. And yeah, yeah regardless of gender orientation um, in relationships. And I think people are just projecting their own insecurities onto you. Right, right. Yeah, because I, I can see some other people, you know, immediately they people get threatened. They think about their own relationship, even finding out about their friends opening up their really like it does trigger something in people. My own girlfriend included. She will admit to it. <laughs> like when we hear about friends opening their relationships, I'll just give a heads up like I'll, I'll tell Allie because, <laughs> you know, she's so fiercely monogamous that it's like it does. She like a lot of people have abandonment issues. And it does kind of trigger something in them when they hear about other people effortlessly or not effortlessly. There's a lot of effort, but just being open to opening their relationship or successfully doing it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And and that's cool, too, that you're talking about it with people, because uh, that's also a a hard thing to do. But uh, to me, it just says that you're very secure with with yourself and your relationships. And that's my favorite kind of dude. Mm-hmm. It's a dude who's got nothing to prove and who's uh, communicating and supporting the people that that he loves. So good on you, Go out, husband dude. of bi woman, bi wife energy. You hear that song on TikTok? Yes, yes, okay. yes, yes. <laughs> okay. Well, Mel singing. It's time to go. Yep. Uh, if you have a question, you can send it to dykingout at gmail.com. That is the preferred way. We did let this Twitter DM slide, though we put it to the back of the line. Uh, but you can send in your questions. And we'll answer them at the end of our episodes. You can follow us for um, exciting videos. If you really want to be on the pulse of the cool things that are happening, you got to be following us at dykingout on Instagram. We have an intern, Julia, who is killing it, raising our social media game. We'll we'll get it over to TikTok eventually. But for now, follow us uh, at Diking Out on Instagram, Twitter, and find us on TikTok if that's your thing. Like us on Facebook even. What? Uh, follow me at TGI Carolyn. You can follow me at Melody Kamali. Thank you so much for listening. We'll see you next Tuesday.
Hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger, and I am extremely excited to invite you to Rachel Uncensored. It's my podcast where I sit down and get real with my friends and celebrity guests where we talk about all sorts of topics, and sometimes we might be under the influence when we do so. We cover things from personal stories to hot-button issues. And it's the only place on the internet you can find an uncensored version of me. It's a side of me that you might not have seen before because it's not the most family or brand friendly. But don't worry, I'm still sort of slightly a decent human being. If you're intrigued, then make sure you check it out. New episodes drop every Wednesday. You can find it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored.